Welcome to Twig's SE Reflections, a podcast series meant for students and practitioners of the somatic and psychobiologically based therapies. This is a venue for me to share informal, off-the-top thoughts and meditations about what I do and don't do as a somatic therapist and consultant, a kind of intellectual oasis. Feel free to join the conversation, pass the word around, ask me a question or two. More information at liberationispossible.org backslash SE Reflections. Let's see what happens next. Welcome here to another Twigs SE Reflections. This is not a sequential conversation at all. So I'm going to move forward with something that I normally don't discuss with people until we have like a, a solid foundation in our communication with one another about what it is we're doing in somatic experiencing sessions, how it works, you know, all of that. But this is not at all me teaching you SE. It's just me bouncing some ideas that we share together. One of the things that often comes up in conversations with people is, how in the world do you get through sessions where people are dominated by freeze? You know, and I I don't mean like, how do you facilitate freeze? I don't mean in this sense, how do you make sure that you have the necessary and sufficient, but at least the necessary conditions for completing freeze organically. I did a little review of that on the written portion of my blog, SE Reflections. You can find that there. Maybe I'll review that on the podcast sometime. What I'm talking about here is more like, as the practitioner, what do you do with your attention as a client is either at this moment going into freeze and the practitioner is going to allow that to happen or the client kind of just has a consistent overlay of freeze and mobility where the pale in the room, like everything gets a little dark and everything gets a little heavy and and as the practitioner, you can very easily get kind of caught up in your own sleepiness, drowsiness, anesthesia states. You know, you can have a hard time keeping your eyes open. You're looking for toothpicks to, to put underneath your eyes to keep them open. And there are some things in here that are done that are problematic. For instance, we have more energy perhaps than our clients. And one of the effects of that is that we continually kind of kind of push on our clients to tell us more than than they would do if left to their own devices. We do something like what I saw at the zoo one time. I was there in the reptile room. I was there kind of checking out animals, thinking about the the nature of the polyvagal system, you know, the the multiple vagus and and how reptiles don't have social engagement, the the social engagement ventral vagal complex, all of that business. And I was in there watching the pace of the reptiles, which of course they're in captivity and there isn't a whole lot to do with that. And then at the same time, they don't move a lot in general. They kind of bask, they wait, they hang out a lot. Completely different pace than the school age kids that were coming into the reptile room. They They would come in, they would crowd around the front of the glass, you know, like as many faces against the glass as possible until they could point and identify all the different reptiles that were in the cage, in the glass enclosure. And then with almost no hesitation, 20 seconds, 30 seconds maybe, they would start to tap the glass. And some of them would actually bang on the glass. It was that they were trying to get some movement to happen, you know, some excitement, some engagement. And you know, not receiving any, of course, they would then turn away and and leave. And the next crowd of kids would come in a few minutes later. It was a really consistent thing that they would all last about 20 seconds of identifying, oh, there's one over there, there's one over there, before they would then start tapping on the glass. 
you know, there, there are times in sessions when we don't want people to go into freeze and, and we tap on the glass, we say something, we kind of pull their attention out when that's the case. When it is appropriate for somebody to go into freeze, however, if we're unable to deal with the fact in ourselves that this person is operating at a very different pace than us, then we're going to be challenged at not tapping on the glass to, as it were, stimulate them to get more excitement out of the session. Let me go ahead and name a few others, right? Because it's not just that I can be going faster than my client and that I have to kind of hold back my own activation. It could also be that I'm getting taken by my client's freeze. I'm I'm kind of going into my own freeze. I, I have known of practitioners who have actually gone to sleep in sessions. I myself have felt that the next, the very next, absolutely the next moment was me with my eyes closed and my client was going to discover me asleep. Obviously, we can't do that. We need to have some tools and some tricks on how to negotiate our own physiology around these exact kinds of things. So let me give a few tips. One is to be able to do something with your sympathetic arousal, with your own activation, while your client is going at a much slower pace than you. And to have it differentiate enough in your own system that part of you is given the permission to be up or excitable or agitated even. And to let your voice, to let your your visage, to let your posture, to generally display that it's okay for your client there to be in this freezy business state. So four of the ways that I tend to do this is one that I grab with my hand, left or right hand, my chair periodically. I give a little squeeze there, right? Like not in any way that my client would be aware of it. I have no intention of calling attention to this. I'm simply letting my hand, my wrist, my fist, my forearm, even up into my shoulder if necessary, have and express some of the tension that the rest of my body is trying to say, look, I don't want to go this slow right now. It's the middle of the day. That's one way that I do it is I kind of squeeze the chair again underneath the radar of the attention of my client. Another way I might do this is that I I kind of press with my feet against the floor so that my back goes into the chair. I'm then giving some some mobilization to my legs, again, underneath my client's awareness. Another route that I might go about this is is that in crossing my legs, I might squeeze my legs together. Or then lastly, inside my shoes, sometimes I curl my toes. This is a very important one to note, that should you curl your toes really tensely, you you could get a cramp and then you're going to call attention to yourself right there. So it's more like curling, relaxing, curling, relaxing. These are, you know, you can find your own. The point is to not fight the fact that you're agitated, but instead to differentiate some of this in your body so that some of you is given the opportunity to hold and experience that agitation while the rest of you is kind of maintaining this, "Uh uh-huh, right, okay, let's see what happens next, kind of, you know, pacing that goes along with freeze. Now, very closely associated to this is the notion of rather than you being too agitated, you starting to go down with them. And when you start to go down with them, if you're constantly fighting that, then it's a fairly, how to say this, if you're coming, if you're being pulled down into freeze, 
you you need to maintain a certain amount of your attention open and aware, right? You can't simply go into trance with your client. Although it's not exactly what I mean to say, because sometimes you will be in trance with your client and that's just fine. But you want to have some bridge. You want to have some way to come back to the room. Orientation is the classic one for that. I mean, it's the classic... It's the classic exit out of freeze of person is dominated by freeze or, or dissociation through the day. It's a lack of orientation. The classic solution for that is to try to increase orientation. So one of the patterns that I, I employ, and I, I know I was taught this by Stephen Hoskinson, and I've seen Peter Levine use this on multiple occasions, is to allow your attention to kind of be pulled down while at the same time periodically taking a gentle look around the room and just noticing some of the things that you see, kind of letting your eyes come back into the room, not fighting per se the state of freeze, but kind of going in and coming out, going in and coming out so that there isn't a struggle, which would be more of that sympathetic charge, but more of an allowance, but then a redirection, an allowance and a redirection. So sometimes my head gets very heavy and I'm allowing my head to get heavy It's going down a bit, and then I'm bringing my head back up. And then it's going back down a little bit, and then I'm bringing my head back up. And I'm gently taking a look around the room. Or I'm becoming more interested for a moment in the pattern of my client's breath, the posture in the chair, the lean under the chair, and then I'm letting my eyes go free again so that I don't get just completely entranced into their free state there. So that's another one. Rather than then just keeping the sympathetic up. Another one is to allow yourself, particularly necessary for longer sessions and where you have to feel a bit more of the entrainment, the the joining with the freeze, but rather than just succumbing to it, touching it, feeling it, coming back up and out. Touching it, feeling it, and coming back out again. That's some physicalness that goes along with it. Another thing of getting through freeze and really helping freeze to happen is making sure that your own pace, your pace of talking is somewhat in line with the pace of the person. Keeping in mind that that freeze is a much slower pace than most of us operate at. A few tricks that I do in terms of my languaging, knowing that I'm likely to speak too quickly. I'm very likely to take my person's, my client's response to me and kind of bounce it back sooner than they're ready for it. So I instigate a kind of a counting process. I count how long it takes for them to answer me, and then I hear my response, but I also hear a similar counting, uh, a one Mississippi, a two Mississippi. I don't actually count in Mississippis, but the idea being that I'm like, one, two, three, right. And so... Now, over time, you just get more adept at doing this without extra effort in terms of counting. But if you recognize that you're constantly speaking too quickly to people in freeze, it might be helpful to put a certain kind of counting in your own private thoughts, in your mind, in between when you hear their response and when you respond yourself. That lends itself well to another kind of imagination that I do, which is 
and I, I maintain this just within any kind of session, is the notion of a ball bouncing back and forth. Sometimes I call it the ping pong ball, like back and forth, you know, although probably more appropriately, it's table tennis. But in any case, if you've got this back and forth going with your clients, which, like I've said, you're really looking for that. Even in freeze, you're looking to maintain that back and forthness. Now, it might be that the back and forth becomes extremely long in between the pieces. And it might even be that your client doesn't respond back to you, but you just maintain a sense of, "Uh uh-huh, in relationship to novel or new things that are happening inside their freeze, such as their participation with the freeze. That right there goes into a slightly different subject than what I'm trying to get at here. So what I'll say is that with this ball going back and forth, I try to slow that down in the imagination so as to match it to the appropriate pace of the back and forthness that we have going as we're, say, moving into freeze or once we're in freeze. Actually, I think allowing yourself to see anything in slow motion is probably helpful because it helps to kind of reinforce, oh, wait a second, for now, for the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 40 minutes, I'm trying to recognize that the pace of things is much more languid. It's much more drawn out. So it doesn't have to be quite so snappy and reactive. Another one that I play with sometimes in my workshop on practicing our lines is the idea of stretching your words like taffy. This is a, something that can be very surprising and very, very helpful. If you notice that your clients don't speak quickly to you, If you allow yourself to stretch your words so that they're more like pulling taffy, that slowing down gives them opportunity to kind of integrate what it is that you're saying as you're saying it. As heady people, as many therapists can be, it can be a little challenging to allow yourself to sound less educated and to sound kind of drawn out. And there are clients, and there are times with probably almost any client, that when they're toward freeze, it is incredibly helpful to give a little bit of a stretch to your words. Given that it's a little bit of an odd thing to do, I generally recommend that practitioners practice this either with babies or in their car by themselves or at at some time so they can just get the feeling of like, oh, it's okay to slow my words down, right? Of course, it probably goes without saying, but I would be remiss if I didn't say, should you use that with somebody who doesn't need it, It will be highly annoying and will take away your credit very quickly. So I highly recommend that you you look for the right opportunities to use that and you employ it at those right opportunities and completely let it go whenever it's not appropriate. Another thing that can just be very helpful in here is to actually name the fact that you talk at a different pace than your client. Now, when you're actually facilitating freeze in the sense of we're entering freeze, we're trying to complete that Hopefully you're, you're not going in and kind of doing this interpersonal dialogue kind of thing. At other times, however, you're working with people who are just generally slower than you are. And if you can take a moment to say, you know, I, I'm recognizing, Twig, that I, I might talk faster than you. I think I talk faster than you. And, you know, I wanted to both 
apologize to you and also to mention that I'm aware that maybe if I slow down, that might give you a little bit more time to kind of formulate your thoughts and to kind of organize your thinking. And so one of the things that I'm going to be working on here is to help myself or ask myself to kind of slow down a little bit when we're talking together. That apology mixed with a a warning to yourself that's publicly spoken gives you the opportunity to lean on that in future when you find yourself talking too fast again. You can be, wow, I'm doing that thing again. You know what? I'm just going to take a moment here and slow down. A lot of people who are coming to us for sessions who have an overlay of freeze immobility, the world moves far too fast for them. Being able to match their pace, being able to slow your pace down enough so as to not pressure them, but instead give them the opportunity to be in the phase that they're in. And as that starts to change for you to be available for some newer level of communication to happen or some more speedy, perhaps, level of communication to happen, For you to be flexible enough to join them where they're at and to join them as that starts to change, you might be one of the very first people, if not the first person in some cases, to actually help a person experience themselves at their own pace and not at the pace of other people's demands around them. So there's much more to be said about when do you allow freeze, when do you not allow freeze? What kind of tone do you use to support going into freeze? What do you say during freeze? How do you help facilitate coming out of freeze should you need to if it doesn't come out on its own? All of that is is ripe and interesting conversation. And this little thing is something that I often talk with people a lot, that they find themselves talking just too fast with people who are going much slower than them. So squeezing the chair, Letting yourself be taken by some of the freeze, but orienting, reorienting over and over again as you go down, come back up, counting to yourself before you respond, seeing the conversation like a ping pong ball moving back and forth in slow motion, stretching your responses, even the words themselves, so as to reinforce that you're not going to talk too quickly. And even sometimes verbally saying, you know what, I recognize that I talk at a different pace than you and that it's part of my responsibility to join your pace more. So I'm going to be working on doing that. Those are, those are some things that you might find helpful. Other people certainly have. I have. And, um, and like I've said before, if it's valuable to you, go ahead and take it. Whatever is not valuable to you, leave it on this recording. Okay, this is another Twig's Ashley Reflections. I'm looking forward to what happens next. And you take care. Bye now.